Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Hello everybody, this is Terry Cronin with Dialogues in Dermatology. I am so honored to be speaking to Kristen DeStefano, who's going to be talking to us about her new paper in the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology, which is entitled, The Impact of Environmental UV Exposure on the Clinical Course of Mycosis Fungoides. Kristen, you're a hematologist-oncologist in Bethesda, Maryland, isn't that correct? That is correct. It's such an honor to have you here. Um, Talking about mycosis fungoides and UV, obviously everyone is aware in dermatology that a lot of times this condition is treated with ultraviolet light. Is that what sort of gave you the idea to kind of look into the environmental exposure of UV in these patients? It it is, and actually um, we were noticing that a lot of our patients' disease tended to get a little bit worse in wintertime months. And so it kind of made us wonder, hmm, environmental UV may be playing some sort of role in the way a patient's disease is doing. Well, you know, for dermatologists, it's always kind of worrisome because we always are nervous about UV and how the damage it does and all the skin cancer it causes. But there's a lot of good uses for UV, as we know. We treat it with uh, psoriasis and we treat itching with ultraviolet light. Uh, And, of course, mycosis fungoides has been treated a long time with ultraviolet light and PUVA therapy. Why don't you tell us what you found out in your study? Yeah, so um, this was actually a study that utilized the SEER database, and this stands for Surveillance, Epidemiology, and End Results. And this is a very interesting database that encompasses about 35% of the United States population and kind of takes into account multiple different cancer registries. And so you can pretty much search for any disease by ICD-O code. The O stands for Oncology. And you can look at incidence and survival and kind of stratify this data by different variables, clinical variables, social variables, and you can even kind of tap into socioeconomic variables with county-level data. And so we used the SEER database, and we also used something called the National Solar Radiation Database, which provides cumulative annual data on solar irradiation measured in watts per meter squared. And so we use these two databases to um, test our hypothesis that, yes, UV from ambient solar exposure does play a role in the patient's uh, disease status with mycosis fungoides. And so um, what we did was we identified the top and the bottom SEER registries for cumulative UV exposure. And we did kind of create two cohorts, a high UV cohort and a low UV cohort. And um, the high UV cohort was comprised of New Mexico, Los Angeles, Hawaii, and Utah. And the low UV cohort was comprised of Seattle, Detroit, Connecticut, and New Jersey. And so um, because Fitzpatrick's skin type and stage can play a role in response to things like PUVA and narrowband UVB, we did risk stratify our data by these two variables. Um, And we defined early stage as stage one to two and then advanced as stage three to four using the AJCC criteria. And then we um, really used race as kind of a surrogate for Fitzpatrick skin type um, into white and black patients, um, which is how SEER categorizes race. 
And so we looked at um, incidents and relative survival, and those were our two endpoints over a 10-year span. And so what we ended up finding was, with regard to our baseline demographics, things were pretty well balanced. We had about 600 patients in our high UV cohort and about 1,000 in our low UV cohort. And the cohorts were balanced with regard to age, gender, um, stage. Most of them had early stage disease. They were well balanced with regard to insurance status, whether or not they received any systemic therapy. And there were some subtle differences. So there were differences in our baseline demographics by race. There were slightly more black patients in the low UV cohort and slightly more American Indians, Alaska Natives, Asians, and Pacific Islanders in the high UV cohort. And then there were also some subtle differences in some of the socioeconomic variables, um, such as county-level surrogates for poverty, education, median household income. These were a little bit worse in the high UV cohort. And then lastly, with regard to rural and urban continuum, there were slightly more uh, patients from rural counties in the high UV cohort and more from metropolitan areas in the low UV cohort, which makes sense because we have cities like Seattle and Detroit in the low UV cohort. Were any of the findings in your message here was there anything surprised? I thought it was a little surprising that in the warmer climates, you had actually a lower socioeconomic class and less insurance rather than in the colder, more metropolitan climates. That was surprising to me for some reason, because I was thinking in a more urban area, you would have had more difficulty with insurance, maybe lower socioeconomic class. That was not the case. That is interesting. Yeah, and I always learn something new from these kind of epidemiology studies and in the oncology world, you know, there's more and more focus on providing healthcare to the rural areas and, and the rural areas are becoming kind of increasingly recognized as, as areas of need. And so I was surprised as well when I first um, learned about that, but then kind of hearing more about this recently, um, it does seem less and less surprising. Thank you. Why don't you tell us the results? Yes, perfect. Okay. So we did further stratify this by stage and race as our internal controls. And we found that this difference in incidence was only appreciated among those with early stage disease, not advanced stage disease, and only among white patients and not black patients. So in other words, there was a difference in incidence between the high and low UV cohorts only among those with early stage disease and white race. Do you think that has something to do with the depth that the ultraviolet light would go? I mean, if you have early stage disease, obviously uh, the ultraviolet light is only penetrating but so deep into the skin, you kind of would expect it to be more helpful in early stage disease than in late stage disease, wouldn't you? Exactly, yes. And that's why this ended up being such a nice internal control because, yes, absolutely, because as the disease progresses, the malignant T-cells do lose epidermotropism and can involve deeper layers of the dermis and blood and lymph nodes, and UV light does become less and less important in our treatment strategy. And the same kind of goes for white patients because we also know that um, lower Fitzpatrick skin types are a little more light responsive, not just with mycosis fungoides, but also with another light responsive disease, psoriasis. 
And so it, it also, yes. to us, wasn't all that surprising that this difference was only appreciated among white patients and not black patients, presuming that they have darker Fitzpatrick skin types. And we often think of the melanin as being protective, but in this case, it's actually protecting them from the ultraviolet that's going to be helpful to them. So it's kind of an interesting reversal. Definitely. So then when we look at our 10-year survival, between the two groups as a whole, there were no differences in survival between the two cohorts, which isn't surprising because PUVA and narrowband UVB have never been shown to improve patient survival. But we did stratify this data again by stage and race. And when we stratified it by stage, we did find a small survival difference among those, again, with early stage disease, favoring the high UV cohort. And also when we further stratified that by race, we also found that the high UV cohort white patients tended to have a little bit better survival than the low UV cohort white patients. And again, um, there were no differences in survival based on black race and based on advanced stage disease. And these differences in survival were subtle. They were not large, but it was definitely intriguing to see this. And, you know, um, we think, gosh, well, PUVA and narrowband UVB ha have never been shown to improve survival. Um, it is interesting. You know, we thought hmm, maybe, maybe other factors could have contributed to this difference. But honestly, we really tried to look and think about other things that might have caused these differences and couldn't really think of much because, well, number one, we know that African-American patients do have a worse survival with mycosis fungoides than, than Caucasian patients. There is a racial disparity there, but the differences we saw were only among the white patients, so that wouldn't account for it. And other differences in our baseline demographics really wouldn't account for these differences. It's certainly interesting. It's certainly reassuring in many ways of some of the theories we have about lighter skin and darker skin and how to deal with mycosis fungoides. One of the things that I found of interest was when you were looking at the colder environments as opposed to the warmer environments, the warmer environments you had, uh, I, I would say, significantly less population. You had 600 uh, versus 1,000. And it mm -hmm. made me think that could the sunlight be keeping some of the uh, cases down because they're getting a little more sun and maybe they're not demonstrating the disease as much as they would be in the colder climates. I may be wrong, but it, something as, as subtle as that, certainly there are several limitations when you do a study like this. Did you want to go over those limitations for our listeners? Yes, absolutely. And I would like to comment on, we all know that, you know, it can take a long time to diagnose these patients. They're often misdiagnosed. It often takes them a long time to reach dermatology and to have their initial skin biopsy and perhaps they've already been treated with topical steroids and it can take multiple biopsies and lots of time to actually diagnose these patients with mycosis fungoides. And so we did hypothesize that maybe in the high UV cohort, maybe their diagnosis is getting delayed because this ambient sun exposure right. is providing some disease control, exactly like you said. Kristen, is there, is there any thought that maybe we should be asking our patients to get more exposure to the sun uh, daily or is that something that sort of is anathema for a dermatologist to ask their patients to do? However, it sounds like it might be something that we should be recommending. Now, I think 
That's a very interesting question. Actually, just last night I had a dermatologist email me and tell me, I've been telling all of my patients with early stage mycosis fungoides to go outside and get a lot of sun. And it's worked for years, and that was one doctor's anecdotal experience. So that was really interesting to get that email. But, but I have to say, you know, there are so many limitations to this particular study, and it is thought-provoking, it is intriguing, but because of the limitations, I do not think that this is ready for prime time and should be a recommendation made by providers to their patients at this point. If this data is mentioned to patients, the limitations of the data should also be mentioned to the patients. So going forward, are you going to continue to look at this data? Are you planning any prospective studies in this arena? We are not as of yet, but certainly we are brainstorming for some some possible future projects looking at epidemiology and, and cutaneous T cell lymphomas, absolutely. Well, Kristen, this is a fabulous paper. I want to congratulate you again on this fabulous research. And I just want to give you a chance to summarize for our listeners a take-home message that they can get from the discussion we just had. Absolutely. So I would say, in summary, things like PUVA and narrowband UVB do play a critical role in the management of early-stage mycosis fungoides. So we wondered if ambient sun exposure can also control the disease. And what we found was that, yes, ambient sun exposure can control the disease and lower the incidence of disease and maybe possibly improve survival a little bit among patients with photosensitive features like lighter skin tone or early stage disease, disease in which the the malignant lymphocytes have not yet lost epidermotropism and still reside in the dermis and can still benefit from UV light therapy. And so to kind of Summarize this to our knowledge, this is the first report demonstrating a relationship between sun exposure and the clinical course of mycosis fungoides. And yes, ambient sun exposure might provide disease control to early stage mycosis fungoides, but the risks really need to be weighed against the benefits. Thank you so much. I had an honor of speaking with Dr. Kristen DeStefano on her recent publication. Thank you all for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you.